yeah, with, with everything, you know, stuff not shipping and, you know, everything like that, it's, you know, everything's delayed. And oh. Well, I do have, thank goodness, but as a matter of fact, guys, I do have something. Um, I read last week that the Justice League um, animated um, feature that's due out next month is going to be its wrap-up for the Justice League storyline. There, the uh, DC Universe will be putting out um, some other direct-to-DVD films, and I hope one of them is Phantom Stranger because if you guys have not seen Superman Red Sun yet, there is a Phantom Stranger featurette on there. So I have heard it's very good. I haven't seen it yet, <laughs> but um, I I can't wait to hear that to, to see that myself because I'm a big Phantom Stranger fan, as you guys know. But um, yes, they are. Uh, they're saying that justice that the Justice League storyline is going to wrap up next month with I think it's called the Dark Side War, and it's mm -hmm. going to have all of the Justice League uh. in it and Justice League Dark as well. So Constantine, Swamp Thing, Zatanna, Black Orchid, just to name a few from that portion of from the all the characters that showed up in the Justice League Dark direct animated DVD will be part of that as well. Detective Chimp? Probably. No, not, probably. Because Detective yeah, Chimp, was a, he's a major player in uh, the Justice League Dark. So, Let's, I mean... Because no, he's Detective Chimp, man. Right. Well, yeah. he's, he's, there, he's there Batman. All right. Hey, Olivia, welcome to the show. Thanks for dialing in. Yeah, no problem. How's it going? Uh, going good. I actually didn't know if we would be seeing you tonight because we don't have any new releases to talk about. But for our listeners and our viewers out there, um, Gateway Comics and Toys is our sponsor, and Olivia is um, their, I, I want to say manager. Are you managing the store? Ed is, we'll just say you're managing the store. We won't tell Ed any different, right? <laughs> On the retirement plan, I guess you could say. You're in the retirement plan. <laughs> All right. So what do you got new for us this week? Anything you want to talk about or tell us about? Yeah, well, there's no new releases, like you said, um, but a lot of places, including us, are pivoting to pull out more merchandise. Um, we have warehouses upon warehouses of products we're pulling out. So I guess you could say we're starting to cater more to the nostalgia that people are looking for, filling in holes in their collection, pulling out a bunch of cool new toys that people haven't seen in a long time. Um, so there's definitely some exciting stuff coming out. Oh, good. Which reminds me that I've actually need to call you guys about two paperbacks I need to get because I'm I'm doing everybody else's number. I'm going through the paperback collection of stuff that I picked up in reading. Um, and I finished uh, Sandman volume one last week. So I need volume two now. Um, so I'll be calling need, you guys tomorrow to order a couple. Awesome. Yeah, I need Red Hood uh, Rebirth volume one. <laughs> and see, and. That's what I was saying, guys. Just because your comic shops aren't getting books don't doesn't mean you still can't support them. Take that thirty or forty dollars you were spending a week on extra on new books, which is what I was spending, and, and start giving it back to them. Spend it anyway. You know, there's tons of great um, back issues and trade paperbacks actually that you guys can buy. Um, keep your shop going. Um, Olivia, I don't know if you were here when I was announcing that DC Comics has just announced they're going to be donating $250,000 to help uh, comic book stores um, that are being hit by the crisis. And what was the name of the organization again? I deleted my notes. It was the Book Charitable something or another. Quick. Uh, book Industry Charitable Foundation, BINC, uh, 
to provide support. So I don't know how you guys got a hold of that. You might know the organization since you're into business, but I would say maybe drop them a line and say, hey, can you pony up some of, you, some of that money to me? Yeah, DC Comics is being great with how they're responding to everything. Um, I'm glad that they're focusing more on supporting local comic shops and just, you know, starting to push out books and everything. Which actually reminds me, I'm um, going to another news story um, while we said that. Um, so obviously the digital thing didn't happen. Diamond Comics um, has decided they're going to still pay their publishers 25% of their agreed upon contract price with the other 75% being made up over the next 13 weeks. But um, when that came out, that put a kibosh on plans by Comics Hub to do things digitally because that was the plan when Diamond said they wouldn't be shipping was that we'll look at doing digital releases, but now that's not going to happen. But one of the companies who said they were never going to go digital was Valiant Comics. And their senior editor, Heather Antos, explained, and I really love what she said here, in a time, and I'm just going to read it verbatim for what she said here. In a time where folks are stuck inside and can't venture out to the local comic shop to pick up their pulls, sure, it makes sense to see what's available digitally, and there's no fault in doing so for creators and publishers to make digital offerings for out during this time. But she says, however, we at Valiant have always said that the retailers are the backbone of the industry, and right now they need publishers' help more than ever. So give them kudos. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So but I'm actually really glad that DC said, hey, we need to make sure that the local comic shops can stay open too, so. All right, um, by the way, oh, Tommy, you're gonna love this. Remember last week I said Jim Lee was doing those sketches that he was auctioning off over the next couple yeah. months? Yes. Um, so there, he's the, the, at least the first three that I know of are out there. Um, I'm sure there's more, I just haven't been following it. Azrael, Dr. Fate, and he did one of the Batman Who Laughs. Um, you want to know what the prices are starting at? Come on, you want to know. $10,000. Half. $15,000. So $5,400, 4950 and $5,600. Um, that's the starting bid. So I'm sure they will probably go up. Yeah, why don't you give me that Dr. Fate one? I'd like to have a Dr. Fate friend. Uh, you go right ahead. I don't want a Dr. Fate one. Don't get me wrong. I like Dr. Fate, but I think not, that would be not a cool. enough. Jim Lee, Jim Lee on Dr. Fate would be pretty badass. I want to see what his uh, main characters like Batman and, and Superman and Wonder Woman and, and Catwoman are going to go for. I'm sure they'll be now, just crazy expensive. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to say that it's, it, it would be five grand badass, but it would be badass. Right. Kind of like the, what was it, 25000 you had to donate to the World Hunger Organization and then right. Jim Lee would paint a mural on your wall. Right. I could not, could not get my wife to go for that, and believe me, I tried. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, Marvel Comics has announced it's going to be pausing work on and the release of like one third of their May and June issues, um, effective immediately. So they're basically, um, I guess it's not so much the pencils down um, command that a lot of publishers have been doing as much as they're just putting them on hold. Um, mm -hmm. So it's actually like 15 to 20% of their title count, but remember they do a lot of double shipping. So it's only like maybe a third of their actual issue count, but Meanwhile, on the flip side of that, um, DC Comics has actually had their publisher still working. They haven't told them pencils down, but they did say um, that um, the Black Label imprint is on hold for the moment. And so it was, yes, thank you. 5G is on hold now, too. Um, hopefully they got our messages and our bitching before all this happened and 5G goes the way of the dodo. Because I really yeah, I don't. I kind of have a feeling at this point it probably will. 
that's just a guess. I mean, I don't know anything inside, but it sounds to me like it's probably going to be, or at least delayed for quite some time. Well, I think what happened is the the guys like Jim Lee and Jeff Johns, who have been there for years, have finally managed to get their voice heard over the Twitter generation, who have told them this is not how you sell books. So, yeah. But well, yeah. Now, guys, if you want to know how to sell sell books, I mean, there's worse people to listen to than you know Jim Lee and Jeff Johns, you know. Right, because you know they they send, they, they tend to know doing. a little bit about selling books. Right, they tend to know what they're doing. So. Uh, other news, Tommy, this one um, you should probably go looking into because I know you pay for a subscription to this, but Marvel Unlimited is giving free access from April 2nd to May 4th. Oh. Um, so, and as they have announced that uh, they're doing a lot of their collected runs, such as like Avengers versus X-Men, Civil War, um, X-Men Milestones, the Dark Phoenix Saga, which I actually have that in trade over here somewhere. Um, but they're also doing the complete runs of like the Avengers, uh, Amazing Spider-Man, Captain Marvel. So, yeah, if you guys haven't been using Marvel Unlimited, now you get a free month to do so. Which reminds yeah, me, I would, I, it's a great service. Um, they, um, they lately they haven't been updating much with the uh, with the older books. It's all been newer books the past three, um, the past probably about the past three updates. But I mean, you know, can't can't hardly blame them. I mean, I'm sure that they're working on a skeleton staff and everything's getting that in, so. Hey, we lost Tommy's camera. All right, oh, I'm back. Yeah, yeah you're dropping back. in and out. I thought maybe you had the mirror effect and your face broke it, you know? Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> All righty. <laughs> so moving So this one, I'm still trying to um, noodle out myself here. CGC, we all know who CGC is, certified uh, guarantee company, has declared itself an essential business, explaining it will remain open and fully operational during the whole pandemic. And I'm I like, self an essential business. I'm glad you asked, Tommy, because according to their headquarters, which is in Sarasota, Florida, says that's all you need to know right there, Florida man, um, they actually meet the executive order of. Um, 20-91 issued on April 1st by their governor, um, which specifically defines essential services to include many, among others, businesses that interact with customers electronically or by telephone and deliver products to the mail. Manufacturing facilities, businesses that supply the essential businesses, and businesses that provide access to financial services. So what he's basically saying is since we are a mail order business, uh, we can be defined as essential person, as essential business, and we don't have to close. I'm like, okay, that's a bit greedy, but what have, what have you. Now, they did say, however, that they're doing the whole added measure thing. So all of their people who can uh, work from home are doing so, and they're not doing in-person drop-offs. They're doing you know, curbside drop-offs. So I'm like, okay, well then. And yeah. anyway, to, it seems you know, like a bit of a stretch to me, but. Well, I can see what they're doing. Um, they're trying to keep their people working and keep them paid. And they're also trying to keep the morale up of people like you and I who are stuck at home and are depressed already. At least we know, hey, I can still send a comic in and get a graded and look forward to that in three months. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, what happens in three months is we all get back outside and we'll be like six-year-olds running outside again and the CDC box will show up and go, oh, yeah, that, and they'll throw it on. The <laughs> it's, and it's coated in sanitizer, and you're like, why Why did, I, why did we do that? Why, why is this thing dripping in uh, the gel, right? All right, so other news. Um, 
Oh, Enos, you're going to love this one. I thought about you when I read this one. So the first ever appearance of Flash Gordon just set a oh. world record for the most expensive comic strip in history. Apparently, oh. the original art from 1934 sold for $480,000 on March 31st. Woo! For, um, for like a comic strip, you said? Oh, yeah, for Flash Gordon number one. Like, like three Published panels? Published on January 7th, 1934. Wow. You know what's, now, what's important about that, guys? That predates Superman. Superman. Yeah. Predates yeah. Superman. So, well, remember, everyone has argued for years that Flash Gordon and the Phantom are technically your first superheroes because, and, uh, you know, they predate Superman. So, yeah, I could see that. And they do. And they should, and they're getting long overdue recognition like they should. Right. Because they are great characters. And if you want to talk about timeless and instead of, and characters that have truly stood the test of time, those two guys are it. Right. Well, absolutely. Well, but they're they're not superheroes like Superman's a superhero. Yeah. You know, Flash Gordon and the Phantom, not necessarily superpowered people. They're, they don't well, have superpowers. They do not have superpowers, but I would argue they're superheroes because they do perform superhuman feats, something that a normal man or woman wouldn't actually do or be capable of doing or yeah. be in I the mean, right mind of doing because they're like, there's no way in hell I'm getting on that spaceship and doing that. Uh-uh. Don't well, you if think you consider that, Batman a superhero, I think you'd have to consider Flash I, Gordon. But that's the point, is I don't consider Batman a superhero. I guarantee you there's arguments in the Watchtower about you know people yelling uh -huh. at Green, Green Arrow and uh, Batman and saying, you're not a superhero, <laughs> you're just a hero. You know, it's it's fantastic that you're good enough to hang with act like people like Superman or Green Lantern. But let's be honest, you're not a superhero. There's people who have those arguments. I guarantee but it. And I guarantee you that Olivia, um, who sells superheroes for a living, says, I don't care what you call him. He sells as a superhero. I'm putting him on my superhero rack. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, I mean, everybody has their own favorite characters. You know, I think it's all about what people grew up reading. Um, mine was always Spider-Woman and kind of like your stereotypical superheroes. But I, I think Batman counts. You know, there's just definitely some things that they do that, you know, I wouldn't consider normal people being able to do. Absolutely. Well, you know they they were hinting at um, back when he sat in the Mobius chair that they were trying to hint at the fact that he may be a metahuman, and that would stand up the fact. That, have you guys seen the beatings that he's taken? Batman should yeah. have been dead years ago, and right. and he and, and he literally like he's got scar tissue, but pretty much he looks normal, and that guy should be. It, horribly disfigured but but he looks like normal guy did and i think i would like to see them expand upon that not necessarily make him you know a metahuman but at the same time keep alluding to it to keep everyone guessing but that would definitely make a good storyline well i th i think the the issue is, is that in the comic books batman has to remain timeless you know right. uh, it, the scar tissue doesn't build up it doesn't uh, his body doesn't break down like a, an athlete would you know, because yeah. it's basically what you are as an athlete. And so right. um, even my book, The Bunny Years, a memoir, is about a story of a, a superhero superhero's career, career. And he blew out his knees eventually because he had these boots that would jump. You know, he could jump 20 feet in the air and stuff like that. And so he's constantly landing on his knees. But eventually his knees blow, blow out when he's like 30. You know, right. they, they kind of touched on that in the third Batman movie with Christian Bale, where his body is starting to break down. It's like it's right. clear you can't be. And a, you a want to know what? Being. Yeah. And you want to know what? To me, 
I think that is why I say people can say whatever the hell they want about the Tim, about whether Michael Keaton was a great Batman and all that. That I still say that's debatable. But at least Christopher Nolan gave us Batman evolving. You saw what this did, what that crime fighting did to him over time. And and Dark Knight Rises, though it was not well received, it still was a great movie because it dealt with that. Well, it plus it had an arc, you know. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. I well, personally see I that's my least favorite of the three. Um, I do have a follow up on a story um, from a couple weeks ago. So Madman, uh, remember the other day I said there was going to be a radio play of the Superman versus the KKK story, uh, and I made a comment about based off a true story and you and you went hold on based on a true story and I, I at the time I didn't have the actual details on what it was I had that for you now because I remembered I wanted to go and look this up for you um is, is so, Superman involved because it can't be a true story if Superman's involved it is involved it, Superman is involved and here's why it's a true story so the Superman smashes the clan storyline a comic book actually was inspired by the Clan of the Fiery Cross episode of the old Adventures of Superman radio show, uh, which in the summer of, I guess, 38 or whatever. Crap, I can't remember. Anywho, it was so long um, ago. In that, <laughs> in that story, right. In that story, Superman was battling the KKK. Um, but the reason we say this is um, based in reality is um, at the time, activist Stephen Kennedy was providing the radio show with actual details about the KKK, including code words and secrets um, of the organization to the radio show, which they were in turn using um, on a radio show and exposed to KKK. And it said that it was to have negatively impacted the recruitment on that because kids heard it. Um, they knew about it. They went in the public eye. And now suddenly they weren't the force they were. So when I say based on a true story, I mean that the actual codes and the secrets of the KKK was actually provided by an activist that's used in the radio play and that's in the comic. There you go. Shake your head and go, no, that's not a true story. See, it just means that it has. It's not a true story. And, you know, you can't say it's a true story because it would mean that there's a Superman in the world. And that's, and heartbreak. and that's heartbreaking. Just because, just because there's no physical evidence, I'm not going to say there is it just like vampires i'm convinced there's vampires out there too well it, what that's scary is that superman isn't real and the clan is <laughs> um when i think else? that's a shocking part of it is you know superman smashes the clan um once you go through it it's obviously i didn't live through that period in time but it's kind of a realistic portrayal of what was going on and superman was in there and i won't spoil anything but trying to assist with the situation so it definitely has some realistic historical um, alliteration and everything to it. Um, so it was really interesting to see how that tied in together. Absolutely. Yep. And matter of fact, Tommy, that's your homework assignment. Um, find out when there's going to be a date released on the radio play for the Superman vs. or Smashes the Clan, um, so that we all can um, tell our listeners and we can listen to it as well. Because I actually want to listen to that. Uh, okay. So. Yeah, I'll awesome see what I can find out. Um, anyone have any news items, anything they read that they want to mention to our listeners so that they know about it? Um, no, I think we covered quite a bit. Awesome. Great. So we're going to go to the show and tell. Um, Olivia, I don't know if you want to stick around for the whole show or not. Um, I know that you come in as our guest for Gateway Comics and Toys. Um, if you want to stick around, that's great. Fantastic. Like your input. Um, if not, if you need to run, just go ahead, plug the address and uh, 
the, the store name and the phone number and what have you, or otherwise stick around, have fun. Yeah, um, I don't have anything for show and tell with me actually, um, sitting in my home office, but we're located at 2368 Plank Road, Fredericksburg, Virginia, and the same shopping center as Gold's Gym and the Big Goodwill. Um, we're open, we are changing our hours temporarily, that's something to note. We're closing Sunday and Mondays now, and then we're only open 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. during the week now. Um, we do have still have the online store going. We're doing mail order. We're doing local delivery, and um, we have the online store up and running. So, wait. So back up. You're doing local delivery. We are. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to order a couple of trays and have you drive them. Um, to me, but then I'm also going to order pizza, Papa John's, and have you stop by and pick that up for me and bring it with you. And ah, man, it. Do <laughs> hey, man, if they're doing delivery, I'm going to use this. All right. So, all right. So, I will start off show and tell because mine is actually relevant to tonight's subject. Uh, for my show and tell, I have Quasar issue number 17. Um, and as you can see on it, it has Quasar on the cover and a bunch of people in a race. And it even says who will be the fastest in the universe, the fastest right, right over here, um, fastest been alive. Um, there is a reason that I'm using this for show and tell because tonight's episode, we're talking about the greatest Easter eggs or some of the best Easter eggs in comic books and other medium. And this will come into play later on. <laughs> See how I, sneaky, sneaky. Hey, don't even tell us the whole thing. All right, I guess I'll take next. This is one of my favorite covers here. This is Red Sonia number two. And I love this cover right here because as you see this guy right up here, he said he is saying, kill her, kill Red Sonia. And then Red Sonia is replying with, over my dead body. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't she kind of meet him halfway there? <laughs> and that's 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 really the whole reason I bought this because I thought that was stinking hilarious. That's kind of the point. You know, they're trying to kill you. So yeah. Enos, what do you got? Well, gentlemen, I don't have anything that ties in tonight, but I do have something that was a major uh, comic comic event. That is the death of oh, Arthur God. Curry Jr. Lift it up. There you go. A little bit more. There you go. Very this nice. Covered by the great, the late great Jim Apparel. Jim Apparel. I always was a fan of Jim Apparel's work. Well, he, see, he, yeah. yeah, you see that name and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting this one. Well, oh, he yeah. also he also had such a distinctive <laughs> style that a lot of times you would see his art and go, that's like that looks like a Paro art. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And then sure enough, he'd pick it up like, oh, yeah, it is. Uh, him and Don Heck, both of them had a really distinct look about them. About your art, that is, I should say, not... You know who else was a great artist too and had a very unique style that no one talks about anymore? Bill Everett. Yep, absolutely. Madman, what do you got for me? I have uh, Batman and the Outsiders, number one. Oh, oh beautiful. Nice. Oh. That looks good. Yeah, it's in really good condition. And it's uh, this is one of my favorite series, Batman and the Outsiders, because I like the idea at first like of Batman saying, you know, screw you, Justice League. You know? Right. And so I'm going to take this single A team and turn them into championships, a championship team. You know, the plus, two... I mean, I, yeah, I like all these characters. I really like Metamorpho. Right. Uh, I think I think he's a cool character. He's got Very underrated. Cool yeah. I, I love that Batman and the Outsiders had a character whose only superpower, whose sole job was to look hot. 
and and they even named her Looker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, of course, now they turned to a vampire later, and all that did was make her hotter because <laughs> they put her in the black leather. But I was like, I, I love the fact that they have a character just named Looker, and they're admitting that's all she's there for. <laughs> well, that's My- get, that's when that first generation of Silver Age. Uh, uh you know readers they started to get in puberty and so forth and so come right the bron- come the bronze age you're like oh we need to s- sexy this up a little bit that was all here's what's really great about batman and the outsiders that series premieres right around the same time it might have been it might have been a year or two after when superman teamed up with firestorm in dc comic presents and then brought firestorm into the justice league because that was always a great character so when they worked him in the justice league i was like yes wow. yeah I still right. don't understand what happened. What happened with him? He was a great and still is a great character that no one knows what to do with. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's get to tonight's subject. Oh, I'm sorry. Fire. Go ahead. Similar to Firestorm, no one ever seems to know what to do with him. Right. Okay. Um, so tonight we're talking about Easter eggs hidden in comic books, which is why I'm now going back to my Quasar number 17 here, um, and I don't. And I, so the reason I brought this up is there is a great Easter egg in this book. So run down the story for you. So basically, you have this other um, interdimensional being who comes to Earth and decides he's going to have a race to find the fastest being in the universe. And as you can see on the cover here, he has the wizard, speed demon, Captain Marvel, um, Quicksilver, and Quasar. Now, why Quasar is considered one of the fastest creatures on the planet, I don't understand. Um, that always kind of threw me in this issue, but here's what was really great. So this entire issue as they're running, um, Quasar's in the lead. When you get to midway through the book, all of a sudden this blur just goes shooting right by them. And everybody's like, who was that? I mean, because it just shoots by them really quick. And it is actually um, a familiar yellow and reddish um, blur. And you're like, wow, who was that? So at the end, um, this, guy wins the race and you see him standing there and basically just like a torn red tunic long blonde hair and i even think he's even got a beard in his point now and he's won the race because he's just zoomed past everybody and um the um the uh god i can't remember who this is now the the entity that came to earth and said hey i want you guys to have this race he's sitting there telling him congratulations friend you are the fastest man alive what is your name and the stranger can't remember his name he goes i don't know something like Buried alien. <laughs> so Quasar 17. I remember reading this and I remember when I saw the little blur of the flash go by, I was like, that was the flash. And then sure enough, he goes, Buried Alien. I'm like, I love that. I, I don't have this series anymore. I only have this issue now, but this was one of my favorites. What do you guys got? Who's next? Um I'll Tommy, go, you go next. I'll go next. So mine comes from the movie Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Um, at one point, Steve Rogers visits the grave of Nick Fury, and on Nick Fury's a tombstone, it says, The Path of the Righteous Man, Ezekiel 25-17, which says, I will, car- I will carry out great vengeance on them and punish them in my wrath. They will know who- that I am the Lord when I take vengeance on them, which, as we all know, is what his char- Samuel Jackson's character Jules said in Pulp Fiction before he murdered somebody. Well, I don't know that. Because well, I'm not I a fan of Pulp Fiction. Never saw Pulp Fiction? Oh, I've seen Pulp Fiction. I'm just not that huge a fan of it. Yeah. So, so yeah, this is where, where he where he would said that right before shooting someone in the movie Pulp Fiction. So they put that in there, you know, as a little as a little Easter egg to his one of his previous characters. So I bet Mad Men got that reference, though. 
What? Huh? Did you get <laughs> uh, the not. Pulp Fiction reference? The it Pulp Fiction pun? reference in that in that. Uh, no, no, no. Put to that. Put down the ukulele. Enos, give me your Easter egg. <laughs> My Easter egg took place during Walt Simonson's run on Thor. This is right oh, I after. Oh, we've got the same one. This is the one after he took on one of his many aliases, his newest of his many many aliases. You stole Sigurd mine. Johnson. You stole mine. <laughs> and as they're walking through this building, Thor bumps into this guy and knocks him down. And um, he goes to help him up. And there's a lady that's with him. And the guy is wearing a familiar blue suit, a pair of glasses, and the lady has the short bomb, bomb has hair. the bob haircut with the yellow dress and everything. And what was funny about it was Thor didn't recognize him, recognize him, but Clark goes, wait a minute, is that? Nah, because they both were wearing glasses. Right. Well, remember, the woman, too, even says, let's go, Clark. <laughs> So, so it is Superman, yeah. And, yeah, Superman and Lois Lane showing up in Thor. The reason he put that joke in there was because um, he had um, Thor's character of Sigurd wearing glasses and his hair pulled back in a ponytail. And the joke right. is, you know, Thor right. doesn't wear glasses and glasses are really dumb disguised. He should know who that is. Yeah, she stole right. mine. <laughs> yeah. That was on my list. Yeah, when I was yeah. looking them up, um, I found that one. I was like, yeah, either Randy or Enos is going to have that one, so I won't use it. Absolutely. Hey, Madman, you got a, an Easter egg from uh, comics or other medium? Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but I played Sega Genesis back in the day. And oh, yeah. A, and there was a game called uh, The Revenge of Shinobi. And in uh, let me pull this up because I you know, don't remember that. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, so it's, um, when you're playing Revenge of Shinobi, it's like there's like a Chinatown stage and uh, you, you fight this shape shifting ninja. Who, who like shifts from he can uh, change forms he changes into spider-man changes into batman it's just you know even even revenge of shinobi guys they're they're fans of super, superheroes you know right pretty cool what pretty cool what do you think yeah yeah uh, if you want the ultimate easter egg just watch the entire movie ready player one no, I, haven't seen, <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet. The movie is nothing but a giant Easter egg. <laughs> Tommy, I'm going to let you go next with your Easter egg finds. All right. Well, this the next one comes from us from the TV show Flash Season 2, Episode 2. Um, the whole name of the show is an Easter egg, Flash of Two Worlds. Mm. It's the one that gave us the fact that there was indeed, a, that there was in the Flash TV series, a an Earth 2, where there was, you know, the, the, the older heroes. Um, we first see uh, what, who we think originally is Jay Garrick, but later find out that he's not, that he's an imposter. And he's got the, the real Jay Garrick hostage. Um, and we find out that there are 52 universes, which is, of course, a throwback to the, to the new 52 in, in DC Comics at the time. And probably my favorite part is when they recreate the cover of Flash 123 in that episode. Yeah. You know, that, that, was, that was awesome. I geeked I, out big time when I saw that. I actually forgot they had done that. Yeah. Yeah. So so there was quite a few Easter eggs in that episode. That was one of my favorite episodes of the series, too, especially, you know, when they, when they recreated that cover. I was like, hey, I know that. <laughs> well. 
Yeah, I, that reminds me. I need to go back and catch up on my CW show. See, I think I was too busy after season one geeking out on the fact that they had him run across water and run up the side of the building. And that they were oh, yeah. all those classic flash moments. Because well, I, I do remember I, there's. I, okay, go ahead. I do, I do remember there's one great moment in that TV show where Barry stops and he gets on a little calm and he goes, guys, how fast do I have to run to go across water? And I was like, yes! <laughs> yep, do, doing it all. That was, that was probably the second biggest geek out in the TV show, superhero TV show I, I had. The biggest one was during Supergirl when they revealed that, that Martian Manhunter was in it. Oh, yes. My so I had a really all- great one here. My wife got a big kick out of that because we were watching it and he was talking it up and he's getting ready to reveal it. You could see me on the edge of my seat and then he reveals himself as Marsha Bandhunter and I, I literally pumped my fist and went, yes! <laughs> so here's a great Easter egg for you. Um, Enos, you'll like this one. So remember the old series, Superman's Girlfriend, Lois Lane? Yep. So in issue 42, um, actually titled The Monkey's Paw, Lois actually gains... Um, uh, possession of one of those stupid mystic um, totems, which is literally a monkey's paw, which I don't understand why you make that a magical item because that's just gross. Um, but it gives her three wishes. So one of the wishes that she's actually going to use is that Superman falls in love with her. Well, the splash panel for the story shows Lois having used um, the paw and that she's imagining Superman, who's obsessed with her in love, is now bawling or fighting with a whole bunch of other suitors for Lois, you know, to get her affections. What's really great about this is if you look behind Lois, laying on the ground, passed out, is what appears to be Captain Marvel. They don't actually show the symbol, but you see his face and the red suit and the yellow cape and his little boots. Um, now, the reason this is actually really cool, this was before DC had the rights to Captain Marvel. <laughs> So it was like in the 50, I think the issue was in the, maybe in the 50s. I don't remember when Lois Lane was, that series was popular, but it's an issue 42, issue 42. So DC didn't yet have the rights to Captain Marvel. And there they were, um, Easter egging him into the, the book. So I thought that was a really nice one. I'm going to have to go find that issue now. I don't have that one. I don't have a lot of those Lois Lanes, um, but I'm kind of a sucker for them whenever I do see them. I'm like, ooh, a Lois Lane issue. I'll buy this because it was a crappy book, but I, I like the concept. You know, that's one um, of those ones I pick up a few of. The, the, the Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, and, and, you know, the Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. I need to get I some know, of those. Like, I don't understand the appeal of those books, but yet I, I can't resist buying them when I find one in nice condition, you know? Yeah, yeah. I need to add some of those to my collection because those are a big part of DC history. All right. Hey, Enos, um, Easter egg for me. Hmm. Well, there was, I did have one Easter egg that I really, it really did enjoy. Um, I had wrote it down, but it, um, it was one where, um, oh God, it just, I just had on the tip of my tongue and it just went away. Oh shit. It, 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 me, forget one, but, um, the um oh yes it was superman's secret origin where jimmy olsen has him take the picture and they have it look something like one of the first pictures that you saw in the first superman movie when um he was this when um they tried to find out who he was and and uh it was uh i can i just it just escaped me what, but it was something that alluded to the movie itself, being that Gary Frank drew Superman in the uh, 
um, to look like Christopher Reeve. Oh, okay. It was doing that. It was doing that. Um, um, uh, mini doing that miniseries where they paid homage. Um, they did something. Oh, I know what it was. He took the picture right beside the helicopter that he um that in the movie Lois Lane um almost got killed in the night he first showed up. That's what it was. Coolness. Madman, you got an Easter egg. Madman, you still there? He is gone away. Is everybody still here? Am I by myself? I'm still here. You can you okay. hear me right? Yes, for half a second, everybody looked locked up. I thought I was gone. All right, so Madman has stepped away. I will go ahead and pull my next Easter egg. Um, I, and I actually, um, uh, hang on, I got to go back to it. So I'm actually going back to Batman, the movie from 1989 um, with Michael Keaton and um, Jack Nicholson. Um, there's a really great scene in there when the reporter Alexander Knox is walking back into, I guess, is it the Gotham Gazette in the, the movie? Um, and as he's walking through, as he's just about to meet Vicki Vale, who wants to take photographs, who's been doing yeah. all the, the war photographs, and she's been reading the Batman story and wants to, to help him try and find um, Batman and get a photo of him. There's a really great scene as he's walking in, and everybody else in the press box is making fun of him. And one of the staff artists is, Knox, Knox, I got something for you. And he hands him this picture. And the picture is of a Batman. It's a guy in like a three-piece suit, but it's a bat dressed of him. And it's like, have you seen this man? And they're all laughing at him. He's like, ha, 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 what a dick. The thing that's really great about this, the signature in the corner is Bob Kane. Yeah. Who is, this, you know, credited as being this, the creator of Batman. Enos, what are you doing? I'm just moving. Can you see me? I, I can see, see your hand. I see, yeah, we see your hand. Anyway. Yeah. Lifeline. Right. <laughs> Lifeline. Um, but yeah, that's a really great one that I love is because it's so quick that unless you are a comic fan, you totally don't get it. And I know that probably 80 to 90 percent of the audience did not understand the significance of that scene. Madman, you stepped away. I'm coming back to you. You got a, a Easter egg, got a comics or other medium. Did you mention uh, Superboy number 217? I did not. Yeah, uh, Superboy, it's a Superboy comic, but uh, Legion of Superheroes, like they battle General Lorca in a game of chess. Anyway, there's this uh, explosion in one panel where the artist, I don't have the artist's names, uh, where the explosion has uh, a bunch of like lines coming off uh, of it. And in in the lines, it reads, holy cow, dig the fireworks. And, it, and yeah. it's funny because I remember reading that now and looking at it, um, there's something not right about that explosion. And you went exactly. back and you look at it, you're like, oh wait, it says something. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I thought that was cool. I like when artists do something like that. It just shows that, you know, there's uh, different levels in their mind and stuff like that. And they even brought in the, hey, man, dig the fireworks, you know, kind, <laughs> of, kind of 60s, 70s vibe to it. You know, it, it dates the comic book in some ways. And so I, I like that. I actually like that about comic right. books. I love letter sections in old comic books. I love looking at the ads. A comic book from cover to cover, especially yeah, when old. I love it. I love it. Hey man, you you know something that that you're so right, my mad man. Because what I used to love with the those like the one of the um for example the the old detectives that I brought in with Carmine Infantino art. I used to love to look at the ads for the Aurora um 
model kits and everything where you could oh, yeah. order them. And there was one that I had where they had a whole bunch of them from Zorro, all of those guys. They had to show them in the poses and everything. That they may, you don't get that in comics anymore. Well, you see like it in YouTube. Yeah, you see it and you're just like, I want to cut this out and send it in with a self addressed stamped envelope and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've always, I've always loved the ads in, in old comics. That's always been one of my favorite things is to open up and look at the old old ads, Absolutely. especially once, especially once some of the old video game systems became became popular, like the old Atari twenty six hundred and you know yeah. the old Nintendo and everything. Yeah, in the oh, in the man, mid to late eighties is when the, like video games really started dominating the ads. Uh, but before yeah. before then, you get all those like Olympic ads. Uh, it's like where they want you to peddle nonsense so you can like yeah exactly a, or, or, or sell toys. seeds or sell yes. seeds or grit. American seeds or grit or, remember the X-ray glasses <laughs> oh yeah they were horrible yeah they were horrible what was the those aren't gonna work I actually bought and I, and I hate admitting this I actually bought a couple of those stupid toys I bought the little miniature spy camera. King with an itty bitty uh -huh. roll of film. I mean, literally like maybe a half an inch of film. And they're like, well, where do you send this crap to get developed? Because it right. took pictures. Don't get me wrong, it took the pictures. But then you're like, well, where do you send it to get this developed? Mm -hmm. um, and then I bought the, um, and I remember the realistic vamp looking vampire bat, which is a rubber bat like in a, in a <laughs> like, well, this other look on a string. So it bounced up and down. Like, yeah, this looks realistic. All right. Man, I wish uh, you still had stuff. Right, yeah, man. Still had that stuff. Well, kids, kids back in those days, they they didn't, they don't have the uh, all the entertainment options in front of them, you know. And so when it comes to like those Olympic ads, you know, uh, they're like kids were bored. It's like they're so bored they'd rather you know uh, like sell grit or something like that, just so that they can like get some stupid ass toy that you can't right. find. That you and it's important is that you can't find in your local store, you know. I remember when I was a kid, I lived in upstate New York in a small town and like, you know, I always wanted G.I. Joe figures, but there was a limited selection in my tiny town. But if somebody went down to New York or Albany or something like that, then, oh, big, much, much bigger selection. Holy cow. Here's a, here's Lifeline. Right. Life, Absolutely. Lifeline? Oh, <laughs> wow. yeah. Excited over a Lifeline figure. Wow. <laughs> uh, so, um, Tommy, do you have another um, Easter egg? One of my favorites from movies, it, and, and this is one that you uh, made me wise to a little bit before I, before I went to see it, is from Thor Ragnarok. Oh, when, yeah. <laughs> yeah when, when, they, when they showed the faces of the former champions up there, and we have Ares, and then there's like one other person that I don't remember, and of course, the man, Beta Ray Bill. Front and center, too. Did you Front notice like of all the figures, it was the one in the center? <laughs> that's the one they focused on. It was all I could do to not yell out, yeah in the middle of the movie as soon as i saw it although well, i will say i was a little disappointed because i was kind of hoping to see bill at some point and he didn't show up well what was really funny is i remember when i saw that i was like that's beta ray bill and i made sure to tell tommy listen when you go see thor ragnarok you need to pay attention <laughs> or you will miss it because it was that fast and i barely caught it and he's like oh, i'm gonna be but, looking for that but it's good to know it's good to know that in the mc view beta ray bill is out there somewhere Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I have a, I have a couple more um, here, a couple of nice, uh, interesting kudos ones. Um, Enos, you got a nice Easter egg find? I sure do. I have. I'm trying to find it. Uh, okay. 
I got um Batman number two thirty seven. It was a story called Night of the Reaper. You open it up and there is Batman, or so we thought, with a stake with a wooden stake through his chest pinned up against a tree. But what the Easter eggs were, it was Dick Grayson. You see Dick Grayson following with a bunch of guys while watching a parade. Turns out those three guys were Bernie Wrightson, Neil Adams, and Denny O'Neill. And Denny O'Neill also makes an appearance in the story at this party by a real-life comic book fan named Tom Fagan, I think it was, who always held a superhero-oriented type costume party at his home in Vermont. And the story actually takes place in Vermont, and Fagan actually makes up an appearance in the book wearing a a makeshift Batman costume. And there's a point where there's this big dude talking to this guy with these dark glasses that die is Denny O'Neill, and he said, so you're really right, comic books. That's a dumb way, dumb way to make a living. <laughs> and the guy goes, and and the and the Denny O'Neill guy goes, my getting off my foot. <laughs> so <laughs> but, you know what? Go ahead, because I want to touch on that. Yeah, and um, but but yeah, those I just found this out about two weeks ago that those guys that were who, who were with Dick Grayson were some of the creators, and one of them was Bernie Wrightson. So you know what's interesting about that story where the guy's talking to Denny O'Neill at the party and says, so you write comic books, that's a dumb way to make a living, whatever. You know where they right. take that from? Stan Lee used to get that back when he was yeah. first writing for Marvel, remember? He would talk about yeah. at, at parties, um, he would say what he did, and people looked at him like, you mean like those kitty books? Yeah. And, and the guy says... Yeah, and this guy, I've got it right here. You really write comic books, huh? Boy, is that a dumb way to make a living? My you got it right there. Your, you got it right there. Show the camera. Let's see it. That's right. I want you to damage your comic for the sake of the show. And anybody else's video freeze for Enos? This is, it looks like it froze. Yeah. Yeah. There, oh, there, there we go. go. That better. Yeah, yeah, it keeps freezing. All right. Yeah. Cool. So I've got a couple of them here. Um, you guys, uh, I know Enos probably remembers this series. Tommy, maybe not so much. Remember when um, DC was doing distribution for that um, other company, America's Best Comics, which was like, yeah. I believe, like Alan Moore's company? Remember his series, Top Ten? Yeah. With the whole uh, detective precinct thing. There's a great one in issue number seven, and I totally missed this one, and I'm kind of kicking myself for having not um, seen it because I actually read Top Ten. That was one of his great series for uh, America's Best Comics. But there's one where they're going into the precinct, and if you guys don't know the premise behind this, Top Ten dealt with a police precinct in a uh, city of superheroes. Um, and even some of the characters in the top 10 police precinct weren't human. Like one of the main characters is a uh, dog man. You know, it's, he's got a human body, but he's got the head of a dog. So, but one of the um, cameos they do in there is as they're coming into the precinct talking, 
they're entering what basically looks like uh, the cafeteria area and standing behind the counter working um, food is the samurai chef from Saturday Night Live. Wow. And nice. I remember, I, and it's funny because I, I don't have them anymore, but when I read that, I'm thinking, damn, I wish I still had that because I read that series. That's one of my favorite series um, was top 10 and I'm kicking myself for having not noticed that. <laughs> Um, I also got another one here. Um, I got two more I want to pull up because I know that um, one of these was absolutely um, probably going to be setting up for another movie. Everyone remember the train wreck that was the Green Lantern movie? Yep. Mm -hmm. So I did not know this. Um, I actually own this movie and I will freely admit it. So I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it. But there is a scene when carol ferris is in her plane and on the side of her helmet you see the logo for her star sapphire character mm -hmm. oh yeah 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 so you know what they're hinting at there i think that had that movie done well we were going to see star sapphire it would make sense mm -hmm. yep especially how since I... that's who Boy. it is in the comics was carol but yeah i i did not notice that um i'm going to have to go back and look um, but yeah, it's, it's clearly visible on the side of the helmet, the star sapphire. So I'm like, well, damn, how did I miss that? Um, who's got another one? Um, let's go back to, uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, when we get to see the original human torch. Yep. And, oh, that's right. At the yeah, Howard Stark Expo, right? And the Howard Stark Expo, you get to see yep. old Jim Hammond in there, which again was great, but was a little disappointing because we haven't got Jim Hammond in the MCU yet. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm betting we haven't because of copyright issues, you know, with him, with, you know, Fox at the time having the Fantastic Four and, you know, basically they're, you know, pretty close to being the same character. But I was kind of hoping to see old Jim Hammond show up. Well, that goes right in hand in hand with uh, Iron Man 2 when he needs something to balance his little ray there and he tells Colson, hand me that way. You know, and it's Captain America's shield. He's like, mm -hmm. you know what this is? <laughs> like, yeah, it's the right height. And he shoves it underneath there and you're just like, oh, he's using this shield to balance a machine. <laughs> Who's got another Easter egg? There's tons. I got another one no one else does. So. Oh, yeah, we got tons of them. I mean, oh. I was just finding tons and tons and tons <laughs> of them. Well, what I want to say is that, you know, I was particularly looking for video games that had um, cause, uh, that had Easter eggs in them because there's this one Spider-Man game and I can't remember uh, where I played it, but there's a scene where you, uh, you're playing a Spider-Man game and the whole game is based upon Spider-Man. But at one point in like the early scenes, you see Ghost Rider riding up a wall. And the first thing that came in my mind is like, how come they have not made a good Ghost Rider game? All right. I'm just putting that out there. That being said, it's like <laughs> that being said, it's like all the whole idea, even going back to like Superman, uh, uh, Superboy 217 and, and uh, the Dig It Man fireworks, you know, in there is that these jokes are meta. Uh, Easter eggs are meta. And it's it's it just shows you that, you know, people are paying attention to the details and it shows you that they they know what they're putting in there. And so, right. I mean, and there's tons of video games. Uh, it's happening more and more, especially since the 90s, um, where there's tons of Easter eggs. And it just shows you that the artists and the developers, the people who put the, uh, put all this stuff, uh, the writers, artists, and developers, they put this stuff in there for your entertainment. Right. Because they love what they do. And let's never forget the masters of Easter eggs, Disney. I mean, just look at the dust and Lion King. <laughs> yeah. 
the, the rescuers. Right. Oh, yes. I You have to find that on Blu-ray or DVD because you can't watch it on VHS because you can't pause it. But with Blu-ray and DVD, you can frame by frame. And sure enough, bing, there it is. You guys know the story about the rescuers? I've heard of it. We, but I, I, there's a great scene in the rescuers where they're in the are they in the flying carpet madman? I can't remember. They're zipping through the city. They're, right they're flying in a pigeon. Riding a pigeon and they're flying through the city and they're passing by all the windows um, in the alleyway. There's a scene where one of the artists straight up stuck in in a cartoon. So it's, this is not a cartoon. This is actually a, a real live picture of a woman standing naked in the window. Uh, but the problem is, since the scene is going by so fast, you don't see it unless you have it on Blu-ray and go frame by frame. And bing, there it is, right in the window. He Tyler Durden it. <laughs> another one. Um, and this one I really like because, um, again, this is another one that I own and I do not never notice it. So now I'm going to have to go back and watch it. And the, the very first Man of Steel movie um, with Henry Cavill where he's fighting Zod. Remember the scene when they're fighting in the bank? Um, and he lands there, I guess, and it's just him and Zod now. Apparently, in the back corner behind Superman, there's a poster that says, keep calm and call Batman. Huh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, really? So I went and looked it up, and sure enough, you do see, see it in the picture. So they were obviously already setting up Batman versus Superman, or at least establishing that Batman was in that world. So now I have to rewatch that just for that scene. And if you take it back further... We had an inkling of them of the DC heroes coexisting, beginning in Batman Forever, because when after Dick Grayson's parents were killed, um, he's on the, getting ready to leave on the motorcycle, and, and uh, Val Kilmer says the Christmas circus must be halfway to uh, Metropolis by now. By now, yeah. <laughs> yes, I do remember that one. And uh, George Clooney did the one in Batman and Robin. This is why Superman works alone. Well, that's not, that's not, I'm going to go back even further. I'm going to go back to Lois and Clark when Dean Kane is Superman and his mother comments about that character running around. Man, in Gotham. Running in Gotham. Yeah. I think she said that madman. Yes. So that is actually all the time that we have for tonight. That was actually a good episode. There was tons of Easter eggs. We could have kept on going if we wanted to. Oh, uh, no but doubt. I do wonder, do want to remind all the listeners out there, um, go ahead, make sure you follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash lost at the long box. Hit us up on Gmail, lost in long box at gmail.com. Uh, we also do have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash lost long box. Throw us a couple bucks, make us happy. Um, Madman is doing Shock Monkey Radio every Tuesday from 6 to 7 p.m. right here on FXBG Public Radio. We have our three Facebook pages. Ina, shout those out for me. Batman, yesterday, today, and forever. Super, um, the realm of superheroes, comics, and pop culture, and gather together the world's greatest superhero teams. Absolutely. Everyone, stay safe. Um, remember, if you can't stay home, please stay home because it's every day I open up Yahoo and the numbers are going up and I don't see anything going down. So we're in for a long haul. I know that I think here in Virginia, we're told we're not even going to be allowed out again until June, basically. So, but we'll still be here. We'll still be reading, call up your comic shop, order those back issues and those trades. Stay safe. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Good night, everyone. Hey we didn't get to my song. I can't wait.
Next week, Mad Men plays ukulele. I don't want to. <laughs> oh, darn. Oh, well. Oh, well. Well, thank you, guys. Good night. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, good have night, a good one. Later. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. I, I, I wasn't going to do nothing. Bye, fellas. All right, Enos. <laughs>